Act Three of The Lying Lover or The Lady's Friendship by Richard Steele. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Third. Scene One Victoria's Lodgings, Covent Garden. Enter Victoria and Betty this was indeed betty a very diverting accident that i should be employed to write to her lover now i can't but think how angry my cousin pen is she frets i warrant at her very looking-glass which used to be her comforter upon all occasions i would not be in poor mistress lettuce's place for all the world nothing to be sure can please to-day did you mind how she nestled and fumed inwardly to see your ladyship look so well? Nay, indeed, madam, you were in high beauty. Yet I must confess I was myself a little discomposed. I was ashamed for my friend, and then to see her show such a regard for a fellow. But I swear, were I to have my will, you should be always angry at me. It gives your ladyship such a pretty fierceness and a quick spirit to your features. Not that you want it. Yet it adds— there are some people very unhappily pretend to fire and life this poor stupid insipid lady fad has heard of the word spleen and distaste and sets up for being out of humour with that unmeaning face of hers you're in a fine humour madam her ladyship's physician prescribed anger to her upon which she comes in public with her eyes staringly open this she designs for vivacity and gapes about like a wandering country lady she pretends to be a remarker and looks at everybody but alas she wants it here and knows not that to see is no more to look than to go is to walk for you must know betty every child can see but tis an observing creature that can look as every pretty girl can go but tis a fine woman that walks ha! <laughs> But, by the way, there's Mrs. Penelope, methinks, does neither. I have a kindness for her, but she has no gesture in the least. My dear. Enter Penelope. Well, my dear. Betty, aside. How civilly people of quality hate one another. Well, my dear, were you not strangely surprised to see that this young bookwit should be the soldier we met this morning? The confident, lying creature indeed i wondered you'd suffer him to entertain you so long you must know madam he's married too at oxford the ugly wretch i think him downright disagreeable aside but perhaps this is a fetch of hers he had no married look yet i am resolved to go to your assignation if it be but to confront the coxcomb and laugh at his lie such fellows should be made to know themselves and that they're understood i'll wait upon you my dear aside she's very prettily dressed but indeed my dear you shan't go with your hood so it makes you look abominably with your head so forward there displacing her head that's something you had a fearful silly blushing look now you command all hearts thank you my dear your servant dearest but alas madam who patched you to-day let me see it is the hardest thing in dress i may say without vanity i know a little of it 
That's so low on the cheek, palps the flesh too much. Hold still, my dear. I'll place it just by your eye. Aside. Now she downright squints. There's nothing like a sincere friend, for one is not a judge of oneself. I have a patch-box about me. Hold, my dear, that gives you a sadded air. That large one near your temples. People, perhaps, don't mind these things. But if it be true, as the poet finely sings, that all the passions in the features are, we may show or hide them, as we know how to affix these pretty artificial moles. And so catch lovers, and puzzle physiognomy. Tis true. Then pray, my dear, let me put a little disdain in your face, for we'll plague this fop. There. That on your forehead does it. Hold, my dear, I'll give indifference for him. A patch just at the point of your lip exactly shows it, and that you're dumb to all applications. Penelope, aside. You wish I would be. There, my dear. But, dear madam, your hair is not half powdered. Betty, bring the powder box to your lady. It gives one a clean look, though your complexion does not want it, to enliven it. Oh, fie this from you. But I know you won't flatter me. You're too much my friend. Now, madam, you shall see. Powders her. Aside. Now she looks like a sprite. Thank you, my dear. We'll take and hack. Our maid shall go with us. Come, dear friend. Exeunt arm in arm. Pray, madam Lettuce, be pleased to go on. Indeed, madam Betty, I must beg your pardon. I am at home, dear madam Lettuce. Well, madam, this is unkind. I don't use you with this ceremony. Exeunt. Scene two. Covent Garden. Enter young Buckwit and Latin after a flourish. Victoria, Victoria, Victoria. Make way, make way, by your leave. Stand by. Victoria, formosam resonare dosis amarillida silvas. Well said, Jack. Let me see any of your sparks besides myself keep such an equipage. I didn't question, but in a little time I shall be a finer fob than the town has yet seen. All my lackeys shall be linguists as thou art, while thus I ride immortal steeds. How my horses stare at me! They see I am a very new sort of beau. This is rare, the having this noise of music. But won't it be reckoned a disturbance? No, no, it is a usual gallantry here. But the vocal is an elegance hardly known before me here, who am the founder of accomplished fools, of which I'll institute an order. All coxcombs of learning and parts shall after me be called bookwits. A sect will soon be more numerous and in more credit than your Aristotelians, Platonists, and academics. Sir, twill be extraordinary, and you are really a wise person. You put your theory of philosophy into practice. Tis not with you a dead letter. Oh, sir, no. The design of learning is for the use of life. Therefore I'll settle a family very suddenly, and show my literature in economy. As how, pray? I'll have four peripatetic footmen, two followers of Aristippus for valet de chambre, and an epicurean cook. 
with an hermetical chemist who are good only at making fires for my scullion and then i think all is disposed but methinks this fair one takes state upon her but i am none of your languishers i am not known in town and if i misbehave tis but being sent back again to my small beer and three halfpenny commons and i like many other beaux only blazed and vanished but you know i love music immoderately how do you dispose your entertainment let him begin well give me but leave the fiddles will certainly attract the ladies i mean the nymphs who have grottoes round this enchanted forest in the first place you intelligences that move this vehicle how the fellows stare good your honour speak to us in english why then you chairman wherever i move you are to follow me for i mean to strut shine through the dusk of the evening and look as like a lazy town fool as i can to charm em well but the music but remember ye sons of phoebus brethren of the string and lyre that is to say ye fiddlers let me have a flourish as i now direct when i lift up my cane let it be martial if i but throw myself just forward on it or but raise it smoothly sigh all for love to show as i think fit that i would die or fight for her you see me bow to well then strike up venus has left her grecian isles with all her gaudy train of little love soft cares and smiles on my larger breast to reign ye tender herds and listening deer forget your food forget your fear the bright victoria will be here the savages about me throng moved with the passion of my song and think victoria stays too long there's for you jack is not that like a fine gentleman that writes for his own diversion and nobody's else now i warrant one of your common sparks would have stamped fretted and cried what the devil fool jilted abused while i in metre to show you how well nothing at all may be made to run the savages about me throng moved with the passion of my song and think victoria stays too long i begin to be one of those savages enter victoria penelope latisse and betty we had better have stayed where we were and listened to that charming echo than have come in search of that liar do you see yonder young bookwit gives the sign and sings himself thus madam have i spent my time almost ever since i saw you repeated your name to the woods the dales and echoing groves prithee observe him now he begins i had not time to carve your name on every tree but that's a melancholy employment not for those lovers that are favoured with assignation prithee cousin do you talk to him in my name i'll be silent till i see farther the spring is now so forward that it must indeed be attributed to your passion that you are not in the field you do me justice madam in that thought for i am strangely pestered to be there well the french are the most industrious people in the world i had a letter from one of their generals that shall be nameless it came over by the way of holland with an offer of very great terms 
if i would but barely send my opinion in the use of pikes about which he tells me their prince and generals have lately held a grand court-martial <laughs> these cunning things keep still together to puzzle us i'll alarm him sir one word come come we'll have no whispering no messages at present some other ladies have sent but they shan't have you from us <laughs> I hold myself obliged to be of the same humour ladies are in. Ha, 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 ha. Now pray do me the favour to tell me what I laughed at. Why, you must know. Your talking of the French in the war puts us in mind of a young coxcomb that came last night from Oxford, calls himself soldier, treats ladies, fights battles, raises jealousies with downright lies of his own inventing. <laughs> that must be an impudent young rascal, certainly. Ha, 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 ha nay this is beyond comparison i can't conceive how one of those sneaking academics could personate such a character for we bred in camps have a behaviour that shows we are used to act before crowds tis certainly so nay he has been confronted with it as plainly as i speak to you and yet not blushed for it but carried on as if he knew not the man that may be tis want of knowing themselves makes those coxcombs so confident the faithless shameless well then to see if possible such a one may be brought to that sense i tell you this worthy hero two days ago was in hanging sleeves at oxford and is called mr bookwit <laughs> well or was it not well enough carried Phew. i knew you well enough and you knew me before you writ to me for mr bookwit's son but i fell into that way of talking purely to divert you i knew you a woman of wit and spirit and that acting that part would at least show i had fire in me and wished myself what i would be half an age to serve and please you suffer in camps all the vicissitudes of burning heats and sharp afflicting colds look you sir i shall tell mrs matilda newtown your spouse at oxford what you are saying to another lady prithee cousin never give yourself the trouble to meddle in such a work one hardly knows how to speak it to a gentleman but don't touch the affairs of so impudent a liar ha 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 why madam have they told you of the marriage too well i was hard put to it there i had liked to have been gravelled faith you were more beholden to me for that than anything had it not been for that they'd marry me to mistress penelope old getwell's granddaughter the great fortune but i refused her for you aside who are a greater sir sir pray sir one word stand off sirrah you shan't come near him none of your dumb signs then you have refused penelope though a great fortune what could you dislike in her the whole woman her person nor carriage please me she is one of those women of condition who do and say what they please with an assured air and think that's enough only to be called fine mistress such a one's manner this is not to be endured i do assure you sir mrs penelope has refused your betters i don't much value my betters in her judgment but i am sorry to see you concerned for her when i have been at church where i first saw you i've seen the gay giddy thing in a gallery watching eyes to make curtsies she's indeed a very ceremonious churchwoman and never is guilty of a sin of omission to any lady of quality with an eye shot in short i don't like the woman and would go to tunis or aleppo for a wife before i'd take her i cannot bear this of my friend 
if you go on, sir, at this rate, Tunis or Aleppo are the properest places for you to show your gallantry in. It will never be received by any here. Aside. I hope she believes me. The lady's in the right on it. Who can confide in a known common impostor? Ah, oh, madam, how can you use a man that loves you so unjustly? But call me what you will, liar, cheat, impostor, do but add your servant, and I am satisfied. I have indeed, madam, run through many shifts and hopes to gain you, and could be contented to run through all the shapes in Ovid's metamorphoses, could I but return to this on my bended knees of my fair one's humble servant. Prithee, let us leave him, as you told me. I wonder you can suffer him to entertain you so long. Leave him, let him kneel to the trees and call to the woods if he will. Aside. Oh, I could brain him. How ugly he looks kneeling to her. No, I'll stay to plague him more. But what opinion can I have of this sudden passion? You hardly know me, I believe, or my circumstances. No, no, not I. I don't know you. Your mother was not Alderman Stirling's daughter. Your father, Mr. Phillips of Gray's Inn, who had an estate and never practised. You had not a brother killed at Landon. Your sister Diana is not dead, nor you are not co-heiress with Miss Molly. No, madam, I don't know you. No, nor love you. Penelope, aside. I wish I had taken her advice in going. He means her all this while. Pshaw, this is downright fooling. Let's go, my dear. Leave him to the woods, as you say. Aside. I wish twas full of bears. No, now I'll stay to plague him. No, you shan't stay. Sir, we have given ourselves the diversion to see you, and confront you in your falsehoods, in which you have entangled yourself to that degree. You know not even the women you pretend to. And therefore, sir, I so far despise you, that if you should come after me with your fiddles, I'll have a porter. Aside. Ready to let you in. I don't know how to threaten a gentleman in that manner, but I'm sure I shall never entertain any man that has disobliged my friend while my name's Victoria. Exeunt arm in arm. Master, methinks these ladies don't understand wit. They were very rough with you. Ay, they were somewhat dull, but really Victoria discovered herself at her going me things agreeably enough. Ah, uh, I believe they are irrecoverably lost. Pox on it, when I gave you so many signs, too. Well, hang thinking. Let's to the tavern, and in every glass name a new beauty, till I either forget or am inspired with some new project to attain her. While in a lovely bowl I drown my care, she'll cease to be, or I to think her fair. Excellent. End of Act Three